0: Welcome to the Providence Loftus Radio. It's been a while, a good while, a bit of a hiatus, but we're back. Mm-hmm. So just for this one real quick, we're just going to have a little mini episode going over some things in relation to the homeless situation here in Providence or Rhode Island in general.
1: Yeah, with winter coming on and the temperatures dropping, this is something that we wanted to cover, at least just to give you all some information and resources.
0: So right now it's me, Crow.
1: And Buzzard. Mm-hmm. So
0: If you've been paying attention to the news or have just talked to anyone in general, even drove by the statehouse early parts of December or around that time frame, you'll notice that there was a homeless encampment right in front. There's a couple of reasons for that. The main reason is the most obvious part. We're currently in a housing crisis, and because of that housing crisis, people literally don't have anywhere else to go.
1: Yeah, and honestly, the state is kind of doing jack shit for us. Um, There are a lot of things that they're doing that, you know, they look great on paper, but in practice, it's just not really doing the community any good.
0: We've talked in the past about, like, other things in relation to the housing crisis in our city. It all culminates in the same reason, the reason being capitalism. And it's because Mm -hmm. of greedy landlords of the greed of the state and how people don't really care what happens to the homeless as much as they would say they do. They're just lying. The Superman building, for example, Mm -hmm. where one of the main things about the Superman building was it was supposed to have affordable housing, but it wasn't affordable. It was uh, considered for it being affordable about 50,000 a year. Right, which is just not fucking
1: doable, not doable at all.
0: Just parts like that for the average person to be able to survive in our city, a city that's being actively gentrified, where the cost of living continues to rise, leaving more and more people basically to rot.
1: And it's kind of this weird thing that I mean, I've noticed where instead of like housing and shelter and a roof over your head being like one of the basic necessities of life as it should be, housing is a it's another venture for profit. It's just another avenue for already wealthy people to compound their wealth even more.
0: Yeah, especially when we look into like the amount of homeless people in the United States. Mm -hmm. There's actually more vacant homes than there are homeless people.
1: Which is not surprising at all. And it's fucked up. And they're Mm -hmm. not even I mean, these these towns and cities, they own these properties and they just kind of let them rot because in their opinion, it's not, you know, worth the uh, funding and time that needs to go into it to keep it running. You know, it would be very easy to allocate some of the funding um, for these shelters to make it so that these abandoned houses are, you know, put to good use and not just rotting.
0: Yeah. And is it a hard task? Not really.
1: No, not really.
0: (laughs) We'll see our city basically fairly quickly try to remove homeless people and sweep up camps and waste all those resources just to remove homeless people and make it seem like they don't exist rather than just using that time, energy and resources to actually help them.
1: In doing that, they are making themselves the enemy and stoking, you know, rightful anger from these people who are homeless and you know it's justified anger and i think it's pretty sad that the uh administrative uh people can't really be bothered to actually talk to some of these people who are going through this and ask them like how can we help you you know you're you're in this community you're in this shit and how can i help you it's a it's it's sad that there's none of that
0: so one statistic from the the rhode island coalition to end homelessness if you go on their website. There is 1,577 people homeless in the state. Specifically, also in that number, 506 of them are families, with 101 of them being children. Mm. Well, it says young adults, but right. But yeah. even
1: so, like it, as a young person, I mean, as any kind of person, this is never something you should have to go through. I think it it speaks to a a bit of a lack of community and a, a definite split between people in charge and the people actually out there living with the um, legislation that they put in place
0: with there being the homeless encampment outside of the state house, the state house has also straight up lied. And what did they lie about exactly? Well, a spokesperson for the statehouse basically mentioned how they had offered them alternative housing, alternative shelter, but that they had declined. Obviously, Hmm. just because the state says something, just because it's a spokesperson talking doesn't mean you should believe it. From the uprise article from November 20th, state admits those camping at the state house not offered alternative shelter. Hmm. They talked to folks that were there, and at least eight of them had mentioned that no, nobody came up to us or even and even offered us anything. The state, when they go out, it's only to give them eviction letters because that's something they did a little forward afterwards. Hmm. The state obviously again lied clearly about that the eviction letters they made sure every single person got to see that
1: oh of course the state gets really excited and very trigger happy when it comes to enacting their you know judiciary force on the people but as soon as it comes to actually putting in some effort and trying to help these people they're completely silent and then we'll turn around and lie to the voters to make them think that it's worth keeping them in office.
0: Along with that, the administration would also make claims that advocates for the homeless would want people to stay homeless and stay at the encampment rather than go to an alternative shelter, which is also not true.
1: Completely ridiculous and honestly just uh, inflammatory.
0: And again, like the reason why people were there in the first place is because they had nowhere else to go. That Mm -hmm. was... People's final options. Because if they were to go somewhere else, one thing you notice is the state is also very happy to remove these encampments all over the state. They set up somewhere for a little bit, and the state just doesn't want people to see. They don't want those fancy, luxurious tourists
1: right to have it's to know about thing. the homelessness
0: issue within the city. So what they do is they sweep the encampments constantly, even encampments in which they have built their own community. And made sure they'll be able to have somewhere that it can be safe. The state sweeps it up, takes all of their belongings, like everything they have with them, just completely gone into the trash as if they're not people, as if they're nothing.
1: Right. And that's the craziest thing to me, because like you said, there are so many houses that are abandoned and falling apart and completely rotted out and just, you know, just going to waste and Instead of doing something, instead of like actually fixing the root cause of the homelessness issue, they're going for a band aid solution um, just so that the appearance is there of the crisis being solved, um, like you said, for the sake of tourists. But in reality, there's no actual care there. It's all about keeping up appearances and making as much money as possible.
0: Yeah, the advocates, of course, like they're not. There to keep people homeless. They're there to make sure people are alive, people are fed, people are helped in any way.
1: Right. And the state's not helping. So, you know, if if somebody can have a slightly more comfortable life as someone who is homeless, that's not courting them staying homeless.
0: Yeah. And one thing we can also say is that if anyone is trying to keep people homeless, it's the state itself. Oh, sure. Because due to capitalism, capitalism is exploitative by nature.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: While we exist in a capitalist society, the state, of course, being the society that upholds capitalism, it will always want to make sure that people in the lower class, working class have the bare minimum to just survive. Like right. It will make sure that those who do not fit what it wants will just be discarded into the streets, just the left and basically die. I mean, and we've they're essentially
1: putting they're essentially putting a price tag on human rights.
0: Like it's winter, it's cold as hell out right now. A lot of people who have nowhere else to go, some even would have to like use the options of like sleeping in a car, for example. And we've seen that during the winter that people are found dead in their cars.
1: Right. It's and very dangerous.
0: And that's just infuriating, isn't it?
1: hmm I mean, it's just, just straight up should not happen. These people are on the streets as a direct result of the absolute insanity of the cost of living and the absolute insanity of the job market right now. I mean, it, the cost of living is skyrocketing and jobs are just not adjusting how much they're paying. So I don't really understand how the state doesn't feel responsible for these people who are out on the streets.
0: Yeah, and there's a couple of things. Like, there was various demands that were made. Uh, One of the recent ones in relation to when the state was lying about saying that advocates wanted to keep people homeless, folks made demands such as, like, deploying $15 million worth of resources to bring 380 shelter beds online and ensure adequate housing problem-solving resources, declare homelessness in Rhode Island as a state of emergency
1: as it should be
0: and reenact but, things like the interagency council of homeless on homelessness tasked with developing state plans to address homelessness the state is the one with the most resources yet are the ones who are doing the least amount like the state aren't really the ones out here trying to keep people like actually treated as human beings mm. the state will just do the bare minimum just so it can keep going about its own business because their own interests are not us they're not, it's not the lower class, the working class, or anyone who is homeless, right. their current interests are just, for the most part, as it always been wealthy landowners.
1: I really think that that um, what you have just said about the advocate demands it really speaks to how I think things are starting to shift in a out with the old, in with the new type of thing. I mean, the community is able to come up with essentially policy that is. Fair from a financial standpoint, fair from a government standpoint, from a legal standpoint, from everything that the state has the capability and funding to do, these are this is good policy. And somebody <laughs> gets paid a lot of money to make these policies, and they're just not not filling their pay grade, in my opinion. The community is able to come up with a better policy than the person who gets paid buku bucks to do it.
0: Now moving towards the end of those encampments, of course, they eventually got swept, as we mentioned. Because mm-hmm. they were served an eviction notice, folks came out in support of, of the homeless and postponed it a little bit. And it was postponed to like December 19th. Unfortunately, it even went to the court, but the court decided to side with the state, of course, because yeah, why, why else they? would it? <laughs> and now we move forward to where things currently are, where there is currently um a shelter opened up with the National Guard being activated at the homeless shelter, currently at the armory. The armory is that really castle-looking building at Dexter Park. Now, it's a 24-hour warming station. You know, there's folks who are, like, volunteering to be able to offer their time to be there to help feed folks and, you know, generally just help out. But unfortunately, this shelter that they're calling it has been also lackluster. And it's been a couple of folks have pointed it out, even folks who are homeless and, like, are there because they have nowhere else to go, where some mentioned that, It's the bare minimum that was being done. And even there, we've had folks like one of the chairs of the Emergency Housing Coalition, Pamela, basically also said that there are people still out on the streets. Even with the opening of the Cranston Street Armory, hundreds of people are sleeping outside or in cars.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of back to the Band-Aid solution. I mean, you can open a a shelter And it will do some good for some people, but you're still not addressing the root cause of all of this. And if you address the root cause, then you're going to start seeing people get off the streets and get stable again. But it's about the community and it's about actually putting policy in place to get them off the streets in the first place.
0: Yeah, because none of this is permanent. Like there's also been where like the state would offer like a few folks like, hey, here's a week stay at a hotel, which I guess it's nice. Like in general, you'll think it's nice, but like... Once that week is over, they're basically just kicked back out into the street.
1: Right. So, I mean, yeah, you it, it for some people, for some cases, I think that could be what they need, like a week to get, you know, showered and clean and, you know, get some food in your stomach. For some people, for some situations, that's going to be, you know, good. And that's going to be good for them. For other people, like the issues that cause them to lose their homes in the first place are not going to be fixed with a week's stay in a hotel.
0: Again, like what are the solutions? The solution is the easiest thing that comes to mind for every single person.
1: Fair wages.
0: <laughs> well, that too. Fair
1: livable wages. <laughs> it's, it's
0: basically in general for me, it's always saying the elimination of capitalism, right? Right, right. In general, it's like (laughs) making sure that like housing is considered an actual human right. Right. You know, make sure that no one is left into the streets. Every single person, no matter of whatever circumstances, no matter of whatever life actions they made, every single person in this world deserves to have a roof over their heads.
1: Right. I mean, it's as simple as Maslow's hierarchy. Like the first need is the physiological, which is food and shelter. That's the first need before you can do anything else. You need food and you need shelter.
0: We, we can go where people have talked philosophy or talk theory about this for like centuries, right? Beginning of everything, right?
1: Right. That's like what, Carl, that's what people love to do is theorize and philosophize and talk about it.
0: Yeah. Karl Marx, uh, for example, had his own theory, you know, he, with the Communist Manifesto, if you've ever read it, for those listening again, read it. You know a whole lot of things you should probably read in twenty twenty three. Oh, definitely should make a list of that soon. Mm. But um, in in one of his theories is really is called conflict theory, and it's basically just the general quote of like uh, paraphrasing it. It was like uh, the history of all existing society is the history of class struggle. We live in a society in which it's essentially you know us versus them, us being the low working class versus the upper class and the upper class will always do everything in their power to keep that power right because they because it's
1: comfortable it's comfortable (laughs) to have that power
0: they would rather have people die in the streets have people starve to death than them give up a smidge of their own luxury
1: right people hate to be challenged and people hate to give up their luxuries
0: yeah and it's like the idea that the resources are limited But the reason it's limited is because it's mostly all hoarded. Like it's it's the general, like us in the working class take up the scraps Mm -hmm. while like a very small percentage of the country take it all. The rich take everything from us. And part of that is also like they control the housing in our country. They control every bit of our lives. Mm -hmm. And like those even after you buy
1: off your house, you're still paying property tax. Even if you <laughs> even if you pay outright, your house is yours. It's been your family's for years and years and years, you still have to pay your property tax every single month.
0: And many of those landlords, like and specifically talking about like the rich landlords owning entire neighborhoods, mm. like they'll hold on to their power. They'll they would rather see a house sit unused and like in terrible condition than let someone of a lower class or homeless even. Isn't that crazy sleep there?
1: That That is the craziest thing to me, that you would rather let this, you know, big, massive man-made structure just rot on a lot of land that nobody's using rather than get other human beings, members of your own species, people that have lives and families just like you, you would rather that house rot than let them stay in it. Mm-hmm. It's just It's just a waste for no reason other than classism. That's it.
0: The rich landlords in general have no compassion.
1: No, I think a lot of these people have a have a block up where it's so they're so divorced from the working class that they can't relate and they don't try to. And to them, it's a total it's a total other thing. We're not even the same thing in their minds.
0: Yeah, their brains are also hardwired a little differently. Well, and most of it is due to capitalist brainwashing. We, again, like, you'll notice it and you'll hear people often kind of blame homelessness on the individuals rather than it on yeah. society.
1: You hear but that more than you hear anything else.
0: In general, who cares what mistakes someone would have made down the line in their lives? Everyone makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. You listening right now, like, you know, you say you have a full time job and you're paying your rent every week and you're living paycheck to paycheck. Know that you're closer to homelessness to an extreme amount that. If you were to lose your income just for even about a month, do you think things will be fine or do you think you'll be facing something like homelessness?
1: Right. And that's, that's the scariest part is especially now um, with the cost of living spiking as hard as it has. Um, it's a lot harder to save money and it's a lot harder to have fallback. And some people are lucky. I'm, I'm lucky. I have places to go if, God forbid, anything ever happens like that to me. But I also know a lot of people who don't have a place to go where they have, you know, they're estranged from their family, their friends aren't able to take them in and, you know, they're screwed. So it's, it's, very, it's a very scary thought. And I think it's something that everybody should educate themselves on and be an advocate for because it's it's about compassion and it's about taking care of the community and the members of the community that you live in
0: there's many things you can do like there's resources you can check out whether it's donating or providing your time Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: even outside of the winter like homelessness is not going away once it's like it's warm out again like right it's an ongoing issue and it will be ongoing until our current society finally shifts into one that actually cares about the people within it as far as some like resources or things you can check out whether it's you need more information obviously you would just look into the local rhode island homeless advocacy groups or in general also dare or one of our favorites is um uprise's very own steve always around making sure that we are able to have this information because a lot of the information we have is thanks to Uprise. Hmm. From there, a lot of this, again, is you can just go and talk to people yourself. During the encampment, like I- I've gone by there and like, you know, talking to folks, it's just nice to see like folks just going from like the Dunkin' Donuts that's kind of down the road, bringing in some coffee and donuts for folks to just warm themselves up a little bit with yeah and you know you can spark up some conversations with folks see what they need like if someone mentions that they have they need a sleeping bag and you remember you have one back at home it's a quick trip and now that person has a sleeping bag that they really needed
1: right and that's just something very simple and i think pretty easy that anybody can do and it makes a huge difference for a lot of people even if it's not you know any sweat off your back it's it's big for someone else
0: yep and there's mutual aid groups that are always there making sure that they are keeping up with with the needs of our community. Mm -hmm. And two of those specifically to come to mind is our local John Brown Gun Club and the Wide Awakes. Both of them doing things such as making sure that they can provide food for those who need, such as the Wide Awakes every Saturday, they would be at Kennedy Plaza. They would have a table of food and also have things such as some winter clothing. And if anyone were to need it.
1: Right. And um House of Kodak also does a lot of really good work.
0: Yes. Now, House of Kodak does a variety of things. Yeah, that's a name you've obviously heard if, you're, oh, if yeah. you were to go to any events during like the summer, for example. Like the House of Kodak events is some art favorites. They had a lot of
1: fun, fun art fairs and a lot of really good stuff, so they're great.
0: But they also do things in relation to like helping youth with housing. Mm-hmm. And currently they're making a little fundraiser that they're trying to do that folks should check out. So um, you can check out like on Instagram if you have it or on Twitter, but you'll see they have a little um, holiday sponsor this year. You can provide a hundred dollars and it explains what that would entail. Like essentially a hundred dollars can help make sure that someone has some warm clothing, even going further down the line, a little more, making sure that you can provide hot meals for someone. Definitely consider like helping others. Cause that's, All we can really do right now is basically pour our resources together to help those in need.
1: It's very important to work together and come together um, as a community to try to offset some of this stuff. And all of the organizations that we mentioned before are doing really great work. But, you know, I think it can be a little intimidating for someone who hasn't really done a lot of activist work to get into it. But I I mean, from my experience, everybody in the community is unbelievably friendly and super welcoming, always willing to, you know, answer questions, educate you on a topic you're not super familiar with, point you in the right direction. So it's definitely not something to be too intimidated by. I get it. It can be scary, but it's it's good stuff. And there's a lot yeah. of good people in the community
0: and again hasakodak is doing an amazing job right now with this too like everyone's doing the best they can like if i'm looking at this like for example like they provide six youth with free emergency housing which is like eight thousand dollars a month
1: right and that is honestly just incredible that they're able to do that
0: And one other thing I want to shout out as well is um, Enrique Sanchez, one of our local representatives here in Rhode Island. Enrique is like one of the folks who are like, are always there to make sure they can provide themselves, like help boost the voice of our local community. This new year is like, while a lot of folks are like partying and stuff like that, like Enrique Sanchez was one of the many people who were spending their time at the shelter and like helping folks out.
1: Yeah, we definitely need More people like that in the community, for sure. It is really nice to see that there are some efforts to, you know, make this a little bit easier for people who are homeless and are in unfortunate situations.
0: Yeah. And even from like um, his own words, that shelter on the armory, looks like it was fairly tough to even make happen in the first place. Because again, Mm. people uh, will obviously rather watch people freeze than like open up an armory that's been vacant for like years right like the armory the only other thing i remember that armory being used for is for, for the time f- folks in the west thought they were being invaded because there was helicopters everywhere because it was being used mm-hmm. as a little military training gown for like a random night folks were advised about it but obviously like when yeah you start obviously hearing not
1: everyone helicopters over your
0: head you start freaking <laughs> out
1: yeah yeah i mean weird to me i can't really wrap my head around that mindset where you would be so up your own ass that you think it's better just to let a building sit vacant than to let people who don't have homes sit there for a while mm-hmm.
0: and some other names to throw in as well that folks can check out so it's the rhode island homeless advocacy project the rhode island homelessness bill of rights defense committee there's Weber renew who provide things such as harm ducks items which again are very important uh, one important. thing we didn't mention either is like, you know, you often hear that thing where people were like, oh, I'm not going to give this homeless person like five dollars because they're going to use it on alcohol or drugs. But you know what? Who cares?
1: Yeah, whatever. Uh, hello, withdrawal.
0: <laughs> yeah. And like a lot of it is also like literally survival. Like you yourself, someone uh, listening right now, I'm assuming you might like myself, you know, due to these tough times and these current conditions, we end up doing things like drinking alcohol for pleasure but also for our own stress relief, right. you know? So if someone needs some money to use, whether it's on drugs or alcohol, like specifically for survival, let them, who cares? Right? And,
1: and why can't you just, you know, be satisfied with, you know, I hand off this money to someone who needs it in one way or another, and then I don't think about where it goes. Yeah, I did something that made, yeah, I did something for somebody that made them happy. And I'm, you know, I put out some good energy into the world today. I'm going to feel good about myself. I don't know why it can't just be that easy.
0: <laughs> so it's good to know we have like Weber Renew and there's other groups like in Boston, there's A Hope, groups able to provide things such as clean needles to make sure that people are able to use drugs safely. And another right. name to throw in as well is Amos Housing. And of course, there's many more. There's a lot of folks all over the city and state that are doing their best to help everyone they can. One last thing I want to bring up as well is an upcoming event at Red Ink that's happening on January 28th, and it's called the All Anarchist Jazz Band Ooh. event. So it is a benefit for John Brown Gun Club, and it's going to be happening from 10 to 7 on January 28th, again, at Red Ink, 130 Cypress Street. And they have a neat little manifesto. Give me one moment as I pull it up. Mm -hmm. So I just want to read their manifesto because I was liking it. Uh, Where is it? I wish I remember the name. We are a collective of libertarian socialist musicians and music educators who seek to practice our craft in service of liberation of all people from the oppressive structures which dominate our lives. We recognize that both anarchism and jazz... Our explorations of the liminal space, which are organized in a decentralized and non-authoritarian manner. As such, we seek to broaden and deepen these connections, both by bringing jazz performance to left-wing organizing spaces and anarchist organizing principles to traditional live music spaces. Hmm. So, yeah, if that sounds something you're interested in, just seeing like some anarchists doing a little bit of jazz inside of a local community library. That's something to check out. So again, you know, January I've never 28th. thought
1: of the uh, relationship between jazz and anarchy, but hearing it like that, it really makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> That's true.
0: <laughs> and also, like, in general, like, uh, for you listening, if you do any, like, neat events like that or um, are an organizer and, like, have upcoming events, anything in general, just, like, message us. Preferably on social media. Unfortunately, I, I don't really check in with the PLR email as much as I should be. But if you were to send a message to the PLR Instagram or Twitter, like I'll automatically get a notification on my phone. So yeah, if you have anything coming up, they would like us to boost and share or even talk about or if you have something that you want to come in as a guest to talk about, just hit us up. Yeah. So it's a new year. And there's a couple of things we wanted to do. Again, we were on a pretty long hiatus. But want to get back into full gear with things. But there's a couple of things. Like uh, there's one thing I've been wanting to do, which is like a movie review on. um, I forgot the name of the movie. Oh, my God. The punk movie with the with the people beating up the Nazis. Uh, Green Room. Why did ah, I forget the name of Green Room? I
1: haven't seen that, but I've been meaning to watch it.
0: Yes, because we probably I've
1: heard interesting things about it.
0: Yeah. Could probably make a little thing, get a bunch of folks to watch Green Room.
1: Yeah. Um can figure
0: that out. The summary of Green Room is basically a group of young punks go on tour and things don't work out well when they eventually find themselves inside of the woods for a Nazi bar and huh. now. One thing leads to another, and now this group of young punks need to fight their way out of this Nazi facility and survive. It's this... a bit of a thriller. It's a little, little action packed. It actually has, it for example, like could um, be
1: great.
0: the the old dude. Wow, I feel terrible. People the are not going to be happy that I can't remember his name either. <laughs> I'm bad with celebrity names.
1: Wait, let me the look. Old at the old dude, cast-mo.
0: the old dude from uh, the X Men, who was Professor Xavier, also the guy. He's uh, He was also, like, for people who like Star Trek, because I know people like that stuff, right? Uh, right I'm sorry, um, I his name.
1: What is it? Wait. I don't know celebrities like it all, but I've heard the name Patrick Stewart around. Is that him? Prophet
0: Patrick Stewart. Yes, yes, I think so. Oh,
1: okay, cool.
0: So, yeah, he's in the movie, <laughs> for example. So, it's a fun movie. I want to do a little review hmm. about it. And that
1: would definitely be fun.
0: Buzzard also has something in, in Oh, mind. yeah.
1: So... um we are at some point going to get our shit together and do a bit of a talk on um the intersection of like uh conservation and environmentalism and um how that crosses over with social issues and the ways that by being environmentally conscious and socially conscious can all kind of push the world in a better direction we're gonna have a really cool guest on for that that i am going to keep secret for now but i will say that um my area of expertise in the field is more on like the wildlife and animal side of things and this person's expertise is more on the plant side of things so we'll get some different perspectives um and i think it's gonna be good
0: yeah and again use this as a resource like again down to share pretty much anything just hit us up and yeah that's pretty much it for now and yeah
1: <laughs> right. um
0: be seeing you take care
1: goodbye